0: That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
1: Hello and welcome to Baseball BarbaCast, the only baseball podcast in the world dangerous in a three-game set. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And you don't want to catch us in a short series.
0: No, no. Seven games, no shot. We have the depth. No, to handle just, that, right? It's just two of us. No, we, we, we don't. But two is, is really all you need, right? A three-game series, you kind of only need two, two dudes, and then you got a shot. I'm throwing game one, mm-hmm.
1: Jordan's throwing game two, and then I'm throwing game three on short rest. And that is what we're going to be talking about here on today's podcast. The Wild Card Series is here. October is here. Crack open that pumpkin spice and mm. chug it down your mm. gullet. Because MLB postseason, mm, there is no better time, and the wild card series. This is that's the whole pod. Like this pod is going to be previewing the four wild card
0: showdowns. If you want to know our thoughts on how the rest of the regular season unfolded we did a whole separate podcast in the same feed we did that on sunday night and i when we spoke last night i think before we started recording you were talking you know thinking about the about cars so excited i was still angry about the mariners and just how the whole last 48 hours uh, unfolded and i said i'm still mad right now but when i wake up on monday i am going to be feeling the buzz and that has been true and while there is part of me that's like what the hell am i going to do tonight there's no baseball on I am excited. The, the suspense will build towards Tuesday afternoon when these four wildcard series will begin. And I also like, it also all fits a lot more neatly in my head. Let's remember that last year, the regular season ended on a Wednesday, which was terrible. And so all these things started on a Friday, which was a little bit kind of fun, but I, I like this a lot more. I, I like this setup a lot more. It feels a lot more. Uh, organized and the schedule looks a little bit cleaner. So, Jake, as you mentioned, we are going to preview the four wild card series. We are going to do the NL first because it's our podcast and we want to. Uh, and then we'll take a break. We will come back, do the American League. So we're going to go, I guess, in reverse order of the order of the games. We'll start with Phillies, Marlins, then do Brewers, D-backs, Rays, Rangers, Twins, Blue Jays. And then at the end of the show, we will discuss who, which individuals we want to see win a ring before delivering our official postseason predictions, which are sure to be entirely incorrect. But Jake, before we get to the specifics, let's talk about what we were joking about to, to lead off the show here. A three-game postseason series, a best of three. When you think about a best of three to determine your season, the first thing I think of is, well, it's more than one game, and that's, that's what it exactly was for quite what a while. That's
1: <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. Instead of Instead of one coin flip, it's 3 <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or 2 uh and we'll and we've seen you know last year i believe only one of the series ended up uh going 3 games but it is it it is a different dynamic it does make you feel more like as we were saying anything is possible for any of these teams that includes the Marlins that includes the D-backs who are throwing you know Brandon Fott in game 1 but also sometimes they're just they're just ass kickings and it's not really that interesting and they're just two quick games where it's like oh yeah that team's better all right see you in the DS but i love just understanding that really any kind of weird shit is possible here and while it isn't game 1 is not an elimination game the way that it used to be the stakes still feel pretty significant.
1: And last year, even though three of the series were two gamers, we had some really memorable moments. Oh um, yeah! In each of the different wild card mm-hmm. matchups, mm-hmm. Guardians Rays was the Oscar Gonzalez walk off home run. Mm-hmm. The Mariners Blue Jays, yep, which
0: one was nuts. With- Coming back, they were down eight one in the fifth, and they come right. back in that game, and then. That looks like, oh, it was a sweep. If you just look at it right. in now- history, it's like, no, that was a very crazy game. The Phillies putting up six runs in the top of the ninth in St. Louis to come
1: back and win game one mm-hmm. against Ryan Helsley. And then, of course, the Joe Musgrove wet-ear game at City Field with the Padres beating the Mets. So we did yeah. have some weird shit last year, and so we are and, hoping for yeah. a bunch more.
0: And from a from a stakes perspective – I think we still maintain that level of anxiety for some of these teams who came into the season with massive, massive expectations or at least built up expectations as the regular season went on. Texas Rangers, I'm looking at you. But also the Phillies, right? Like that's another team that has had eyes on October the whole time, but they still have to get by this pesky Miles team. There's a quick expectation
1: ranking I want to give here. Right, We'll do rooting rankings later, but who is the most pressure? Like who coming into the year – anticipated being in the NLDS or the ALDS. Is I think one, the Phillies
0: are Phillies are so clearly number one. So
1: clearly number one of all in the teams. World Series last year. Huge payroll, mm-hmm. star-studded team. And they finished second in a good NL, relatively good NL East. And like the Braves are incredible. And I don't think the regular season was bad or embarrassing in any way. But this is where they expect it to be. And they expect to be in the next round. So they're number one. I would say the lowest on this list is probably still the Marlins.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'd say the Marlins are definitely lowest. I'm, I'm actually curious who you think number two is because I think it's probably between the AL teams. I think you'd have to look at Texas either- based on where they got during the regular season, had you know a seven-game division lead, of course, bungling out on the last day. I think Toronto, when you think about the preseason expectations of the last couple of years, sneaking in, and yes, you know, I, I just wrote, you know, for the, for the Twins Blue Jays preview uh, for Fox, like them getting in feels as much of a relief as it is like a great success. Yes. But you're in. And so now you kind of have to do something with it. And then the other team I
1: think that has big expectations is Tampa, just because of how many regular season baseball games they won. Remember, they finished how far ahead of all the other American League teams? They had nine games. Yeah. They won 99 baseball games this year. Okay. <laughs> 99 baseball games. Uh, that is nine more than Houston and Texas. That is 12 more than Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so f- if they were to go to and out here, that would be bad. Just a quick thing I'd like to uh, mm-hmm. share with everybody before we get into the specific matchups. Mm-hmm. There is a college baseball terminology that we have never really been able to apply to MLB. And that is two in Q. So two and Q stands for two and barbecue Mm -hmm. and is when you go to a regional in college and you go oh and two and you two and out and it's two and Q two and barbecued. And on this show, Jordan, we are the right
0: people to decide who that's who. We are extremely qualified to to talk about that exact subject. Now, of course, in college baseball uh, context, it is in a double elimination tournament style, which is a little bit different than this, although I guess technically it is double elimination in a best of three. Uh, but it's a little bit different, but I, I agree with you. And by the way, since we're just talking about, oh, who pressure whatever, like, yeah, the Twins have lost 18 straight postseason games. They are obviously somewhere high on those rankings. We will get to that when we get to that series. But Jake, let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's talk about the Phillies and the Marlins. Well, that is the primetime slot, the last game we will see on all three nights. I do do like that we have the same schedule all three days, which hasn't been the case every time, which is bizarre. We've seen some strange versions of that in 2020 and recently. But anyway, this is the series you will be at, so we'll start with that. I also think it is a series that, that a lot of people are most excited for because you have, as we just mentioned, the two sides of the spectrum of expectations coming into the season. This Marlins team who fought through all kinds of stuff and no one expecting them to actually do it, to be here. And then the Phillies team who most people like there are people already writing their, their Phillies Braves previews. Like that's already happening, right? That's already been happening. And I get it. But the Phillies have to win two games here against the Marlins team, who does not give a shit. So (laughs) as we will do for all of these uh, matchups, we're going to give you the projected pitching uh, matchups, give you two questions, and then how each team can win. So why don't you start us off? What do we expect the pitching matchups to be for Philadelphia versus Miami? So
1: the Phillies were able to line their starters up because they clinched on Tuesday so they had, uh, like, Zach Wheeler only threw four innings in his last start so that he would be ready for game one. He'll throw in game one. His ERA this year is higher than maybe you would expect and maybe than it, than it was the last couple of seasons. But he has been just as dominant. He's been a little bit unlucky. It's still Zach Wheeler. Don't look too hard into it. Game two will be Aaron Nola, who is pretty mediocre for the first half of the season, has figured some things out in September and looks more like his old self. And then Ranger Suarez, who was dynamite, lights out, beast behavior last October, he's probably going to start game three. For the Marlins, so the Marlins were not able to line their pitching up because they only clinched on Saturday. However, by the grace of the baseball gods, their top three healthy starters are going to line up in games one, two, and three. That is Jesus Lazardo, Braxton Garrett, and Eduard Cabrera. Sandy Alcantara and Yuri Perez are both on the injured list and are not expected to throw in this series. And that will leave Lazardo as the number one in his last start, which was in the rain shortened game against the Mets. He was outstanding along one run in seven and a third inning, striking out 10. And that is my first question, Jordan. How good is Jesus Lazardo? Because this series hinges on Miami winning game one. If they want to win, they have to win game one and to win game one, they need Jesus Lazardo to deliver the performance of a
0: lifetime. So how good is he and how much confidence do you have in him? I I feel really good about it, not just because of how good he is, but I do like, I do like the matchup, right? I mean, you think about having one of the one of the better left-handed pitchers in the league, and that's what Lazardo is. If you look at strikeout, if you just look straight strikeout rate, and he's improved his command a lot since he's been in the big leagues too, he's got a seventh highest strikeout rate among qualified starters, right? 28. 0.1 percent, a second highest uh, among all left-handed pitchers behind only Blake Snell. But that's ahead of guys like Gerrit Cole. That's ahead of guys like Zach Wheeler, Zach Gallen, all these guys. So there is a uh, this is an elite skill here. This is one of the hardest throwing left-handers, and the command has improved. And he's going to give him a shot. I think I. I would rather have Zach Wheeler, uh, but like, it's as good as you can ask, especially when you consider how messy these last couple of weeks have been for Miami, both in terms of scheduling, getting into the last second and injuries. So all things considered, man, like this is part of why we did like Miami as the season went on, is that there was this depth of arm talent. And when you have that many guys, you're going to have at least one of them kind of break into something bigger. And that's what Lazardo's done this year.
1: I think the he's big, awesome. I think he's awesome too. I, the big thing with Lazardo is keeping it close. Mm. He needs to keep the score close because Miami's record in one run games this year is I let me just double check. I think it's eight hundred and fifty two and one. <laughs> I think that's right.
0: I they think, yeah, let me are, I'll check
1: that, but I think so. Yeah. They're incredible in in close games. I looked this up, Jordan. They have scored more runs in the last third of games than Philly this season which is kind of preposterous when you think about their respective lineups. And so if things are, again, like late game comebacks are random in a sense, and they are impossible to to predict, especially in October. However, the Marlins have shown time and time again that they don't give a crap and they have come back a whole lot. And so if Lizardo could keep it close, I think it gives them a chance.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. And also, like, it's not just the, the late, like, they've had – There was some historic stat um, that I know Jeremy Tashay tweeted. By the way, if you want more Marlins chat, we went on the Miami Mic'd Up podcast and that was super fun. That was last week before they clinched. But they've had some historic number of comebacks like down four after seven or something like that. So they've done that. And yes, 33 and 13 in one run games is truly astonishing. And hey, I got to say, uh, it's not like the Phillies bullpen can't, can't get to them, right? Like a, The Phillies bullpen's going to have to, at the very least, throw strikes late in the game because otherwise Miami will definitely take advantage. My other question. Mm-hmm. Who is Weston Wilson and why does
1: he matter? The Philadelphia Phillies are chock full of incredibly famous baseball players. Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Nick Castellanos, Garrett Stubbs. And yet
0: I am here asking you, who is Weston Wilson and why does he matter? Weston Wilson is an outfielder who is probably going to start that first game against Jesus Lozardo and possibly the second game if it's also a lefty Braxton Garrett and Weston Wilson while he only has 22 major league plate appearances to his name although I believe one of those was homering in his first well I don't know if it was his first at bat but definitely his first game this is a 29 year old rookie who had kind of been, came up in the Brewers system, ended up with the Phillies, and was just kind of killing it in AAA, 31 home runs in 125 AAA games. Basically, they've decided, like, this is our best option offensively against left-handed pitching. And that is significant when we just described the matchup with certainly Lizardo and then Braxton Garrett, and you think about all the lefties that they rely on uh, in the Phillies lineup, that they're deciding, hey, this is going to be worthwhile. It is a very raised move. To go with the guy you've never heard of for the platoon advantage. But I understand it. He will probably be in left field. That'll push Johan
1: Rojas. Or not push, but Johan Rojas will be in center. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Brandon Marsh has really struggled against left-handed pitching. And that is kind of the the big question of this. And and let's just hop to how the Marlins win. right? Mm -hmm. The Marlins win by their left-handed dominant relievers. Mm -hmm. Shutting down the Phillies' left-handed bats and then getting somewhat fortunate against the right-handed bats. Mm -hmm. Because Kyle Schorber, Bryce Harper um, against left-handed pitching, they're a little bit worse. They're notably worse. Mm -hmm. And then Brandon Marsh is just totally bupkis right now against lefties. And that forces someone like Weston Wilson or Christian Pache into the game. And that does
0: mitigate the talent gap on the field for the Marlins. And the Marlins, I don't know how many teams have relied... I would love to look this up, actually... So much on four left-handed relievers, AJ Puck, Tanner Scott, Stephen Okert, and Andrew Nardi, have all been very good. I know Okert's ERA is in you know in the four or five, but he's you know over eleven K per nine. Nardi's been awesome. Puck he's has awesome. had some, yeah. Puck has had some blow up outings, but he also has fifteen saves and has a ton of strikeouts. And Scott's been the best of the bunch. I've talked about him on this podcast before. So that is a, an unusual number. I mean, we've seen teams like Houston. Roll into the postseason with zero left handed relievers and be fine with it. Right. So I don't know if this is an advantage or maybe a backwards disadvantage for the Marlins at this stage, but against the Phillies, I think it's probably a good thing. I think that's a really good point. How did the Phillies win?
1: So <clears throat> the reason I'm going to pick the Phillies in this series, spoilers, they're more talented. They're better. Oh, I was, right. oh, I was, that doesn't mean the Marlins can't win, but the Phillies should win. I was talking to a friend yesterday about the series and I was like talking to them about Weston Wilson and how the Marlins have all these relievers that are left-handed. And my friend just goes, but the Phillies are a better team. They have better players. They should win. And that is the thing about October. We can pick apart all these little storylines and narratives all we want. But at the end of the day, like the better team often wins the series and the Phillies, the talent gap here is really big. It is legitimately enormous, especially on the offensive side of the ball. There are probably only one or two Marlins offensive players you would take over the Phillies version. Mm -hmm. And that is especially true with the best hitter on the Marlins. Luis Arise has a bum ankle and will probably not start. He'll be on the bench to pinch hit and hobble to first. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I just think the Phillies are better. I think they'll win in two games. Um, I think one of the two games will be closer than you expect. But I will take the Phillies to emerge victorious in this series.
0: I will take Phillies in three. I think they'll get to Nola. I think the other thing is in Philly, like they, the one thing that the Marlins have done this summer in particular is add some pop. And they do have some guys that can definitely hit some home runs, especially if Nola's command is. Is anything like it was for a large portion of the season. I know he's been much better lately, so I agree. But I, I, I want to see, I want to see a Marlins playoff victory. So I think they will manage to push it to three games, but we will see. All right, let us move on to the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. We were not sure between Miami and uh, Arizona or Chicago or Cincinnati or San Diego who is going to be going to Milwaukee as the sixth seed. Ultimately, it is indeed the Arizona Diamondbacks, the pitching matchups that we expect to see. The Brewers have essentially (laughs) been penciled in for weeks, if not months. That is Corbin Burns, that is Brandon Woodruff, that is Freddie Peralta, a three-headed monster that has really sustained now for several seasons in a way that you haven't really seen almost any other rotation have this uh, in recent years. And I know some of those guys have dealt with some injuries and have gone up and down, but they are all looking fantastic lately. Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. Fantastic. Arizona, meanwhile, enters with probably the biggest question mark in terms of the starting pitching staff and have by far the most anonymous game one starter in rookie branded fought. They will be able to bring back Zach Allen. Will that be on short rest? I guess not. Uh, On Wednesday, Zach Allen threw on Friday against the Astros and was great. In a close loss. Merrill Kelly threw on Saturday, which means he will be available for game three. Zach Gallen is every bit as good as you think. Merrill Kelly is very underrated. Um, so if they can somehow sneak out a, a victory in game one, now we're now we're in business here. But really, the story with the D-backs, and my first question for the this series is: does the end of their season matter at all? We talk a lot about momentum in the postseason both during the postseason, oh, what about these teams that have all this rest and then get their ass kicked when they haven't played in five days? Or would you rather come in playing super hot, but then have to play extra series? Or you do what the D-backs did, which is back into the wildcard series by scoring, what was it, three runs in four games, I believe? Uh, which, and I know, it was against a Houston team that was, was very good and was playing, you know, against the division. But those were important games for Arizona, too, and it ended up working out for them. And it's fine. But that lineup did not look good recently. And so that is certainly, I think my biggest question is, will this L4 coming into the postseason with their embarrassing offense uh, make a difference? It's not just that they got swept by the Astros. It's that their last game
1: before that series was a loss to Tuki Toussaint and the Chicago White Sox bullpen.
0: Yeah. And it's also not about to get any easier because of the pitching we just described for Milwaukee. So I think that would be, my biggest concern on top of the fact that this is a D-backs team with a ton of young players that have not played in the postseason. And maybe you have some of the effect of that sort of we've talked about with the Reds this season where they're just like, I don't know any different. Like, I don't know what this is supposed to be like. And maybe that's a benefit, but knowing the postseason atmosphere in Milwaukee, um, I think it will be a, a pretty tough task, but I like a lot of the players on on this D-backs team. I'm glad they will at least get, you know, Gallon and, and maybe Kelly. But this is this is gonna be this is gonna be pretty tough. So here's why I think this
1: matters a little bit less mm-hmm. than we think. Mm-hmm. Corbin Carroll, the Diamondbacks star outfielder and you know assumed NL rookie of the year, he is cold-blooded. He is True. a baseball machine. I do not think that Corbin Carroll is going to wake up tomorrow and have the L4 impact him. He is the leadoff man. He is the catalyst. And if he can show that it doesn't make a difference, that will trickle down to the rest of the Diamondbacks. And when you think about who the other important players on the D-backs are, Tommy Pham. You think Tommy Pham gives a fuck? <laughs> no chance. Right? Uh, can tell Marte his approach doesn't change at <laughs> all, ever. Okay? It's not That's like true. he's suddenly going to be you know, controlling the zone. Mm-hmm. He's a mm-hmm. free-swinging boy. And mm-hmm. Christian Walker, like... He, he's just, it, will he run into one this week? That is a big part of the, of the story. Those four guys are the top four guys in their order. And I don't think any of them will be impacted by how cold the club is. However, the bottom half of the lineup, I am a little bit more worried about. Let's turn our attention, speaking about lineups we're worried about, to the Milwaukee Brewers, who, this is, always seems to be the case. They enter October or they enter a season. And it's like, man, this pitching rotation is incredible and the bullpen is pretty good. That's a dangerous team in October and then the offense just goes on hiatus. You know, you if you were to email the offense in October it would say I am out of office until next week. Please email Craig Council if you have any concerns.
0: I mean, they and you think about it too this year if you look at the teams, the players that we've been used to seeing in recent, you know, runs William Adams has just not had a very good season. And I know that's a guy that can that can really heat up at some point, um, but it's been the guy. Rowdy Tellez has not had a very good season, but because they had a version of the Marlins where they added guys that have clearly boosted them, not as much as Bell and Berger, but Mark Hanna and Carl Santana have both been fantastic. And then the trade of the year, which we've all been talking about, is getting William Contreras as your franchise catcher and a nice little kind of rebound from Christian Yelich to at least a hitter that you are worried about. Not that he necessarily is going to take over the series, but a hitter that can do damage, right? That is Christian Yelich again, at least in some forms. It is still a very thin group, but it's, it's <laughs> they've they've put it together. The guys that they've relied on, again, it's like, really, this is what we ended up counting on here is this collection of hitters. Now, maybe it doesn't matter. and And again, you're, facing an Arizona pitching staff that is also quite thin, so maybe you can take advantage there. That's why I wouldn't be as concerned. But yeah, we've had this conversation before. We kind of know what it looks like. They have three above-average hitters.
1: That's yeah. William Contreras. That's Christian Yelich. That's Mark Cannon. I was yeah. talking to a scout who was advancing Milwaukee for an unnamed team, one of the 85 NL teams that maybe could have ended up playing Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, and this scout was saying like, Yes, they have three above-average hitters. I'm only really worried about Contreras because mm-hmm. you can sequence Yelich, and because he's not elevating the ball like he used to, he's not going to do as probably as much damage as some of the other guys. And Canna is a good hitter, but is more just outrageously locked in than elite. And mm-hmm. so Contreras is the one who scares other teams, and I would imagine the Diamondbacks know this and will kind of pitch around him a little
0: bit. Uh one more note on the Brewers pitching. Between the three at the top, I actually feel the worst about Burns. And not that he hasn't been good recently, but kind of digging into the, the numbers, especially in the second half, and you look at Corbin Burns' just overall stats and like, yeah, he's he's been really good. And oh well, he's leading the league in whip. A lot of that is the fact that he has the lowest Babip against by a by like 20 points. He's had a ton of, of luck on balls in play. Not that I don't think Corbin Burns is awesome, but statistically, it's, he has not quite been as, as overwhelming in the way that Woodruff, since he got back, and even Peralta in terms of the strikeouts, have really been recently. So I think that's something that maybe Corbin Burns is a little bit more gettable. I know he had two scoreless starts to kind of round out his season, but that's something to, to kind of watch there that maybe Arizona can take advantage of. And the other thing we know with Arizona is they will run. They will run. And, and to be completely honest, I do not know for sure which of the Brewers pitchers are better at holding runners versus others. I'm not as familiar with that. Um, but I just know that Arizona is going to be willing to run. They were second in baseball in stolen bases this year with 166 and just caught 26 times. So, and they, they're number one of any teams in the postseason uh, ahead of only Tampa Bay, right? So they will go. That is another way they can kind of manufacture offense if the actual production at the plate is not kind of coming together. So So it's an interesting matchup. I think they have a good shot.
1: One thing worth noting here is how Devin Williams Mm -hmm. allowed more steals this year than most of their starters. Mm -hmm. So like, or or a good amount of their starters. Mm -hmm. He is very susceptible to the stolen base, Mm -hmm. um, as is Trevor McGill, who is one of their other top relievers. So that's something Mm -hmm. just to watch late in games you know we we always think about the 2014 wildcard game with the royals and the a's of a great example of if you have a pitcher who doesn't hold runners on and you have a team willing to run in a one game in one game that can go off the rails well, and in, so it will be very mm-hmm. important for the brewers and contreras to keep that running game quiet as much as possible
0: and that's definitely i think when we get to how do the I think that's how the D-backs are going to have to win. It probably is some combination of small ball and then maybe Christian Walker pokes one out. It's possible the pitching kind of dooms them from the start and it doesn't become competitive. But again, if they can keep it close. And by the way, you mentioned the stolen bases. That's a macro point that I am by far the most fascinated by for this entire postseason. How aggressive will we see teams be with these new rules? Because – all the stats, of course, show us this year that steals are back and they're back to basically levels that we haven't seen in in decades. But it's also that it's easier to steal than ever. It's not that we've seen more attempts than ever. It's that yeah. the success rate is 5% higher than we've ever seen. Will teams instinctively become a little bit more cautious and scared to go for it? Or will they say, fuck it, Like runs are so valuable in the postseason – we got to go for it. And if there's going to be any team that's going to say, fuck it, let's steal third base in this crazy situation, it's probably Arizona and I'm excited to see that. And that's kind of how the Diamondbacks
1: win. By putting pressure on the Brewers and playing loose and playing kind of stupid. Mm -hmm. Smart (laughs) stupid, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. I don't love that matchup in game one. I think the Brewers will score enough runs off of Brandon Fott to win that Mm -hmm. game. But the Diamondbacks can still win the series even if they lose game one. Zach Gallen has been automatic. He has been incredible and him in game two. I really like that. And it just comes down to what kind of, what the offense can do against Freddie Peralta in a game three, Mm -hmm. because I do have confidence in Merrill Kelly as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think the diamondbacks path to winning here is pretty good considering how imbalanced that first game is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that, yeah, the diamondbacks win by running on the Brewers starters and the Brewers relievers. And it's similar to the Marlins. Like if they keep it close, I like the Diamondbacks to create chaos late in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll stick
0: with Milwaukee here. How do they win? Uh, but how do they win? I mean, listen, it's it's lined up for them and you get that game one. That is, that is just going to be absolutely massive. And I think it's also them probably putting up runs against the Arizona bullpen, which has been reinforced with Paul Seawald, but still a lot of guys who – their biggest issue is throwing strikes uh late in games and that's something that I, I can imagine the Milwaukee uh hitters will be able to take advantage of uh at some point. So, i'll go with Milwaukee here, but it's uh we'll see. I I mean, i assume you think Arizona has a better chance than Miami? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, i think so too. Um but i'll I'll stick with Milwaukee in in 3 here.
1: I'll take the D-backs in 3. Okay. At least for now. I might change that later when I do my full bracket, but that's how I'm feeling at this moment.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) check in in half an hour. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, it is time to talk about the American League, Rays and Rangers, Twins and Blue Jays. We'll be back in a second. The American League. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a quick housekeeping note about our merch. Look, in Australia, we love clothes and almost always wear them. If you're like us and also enjoy dabbling in clothes wearing, then why not consider some official Baseball Barbercast merchandise? Whether it's a jumper you're after, which you would call a sweatshirt, a cap, which we would call an old hair hugger, or a shirt, which we would call a belly wrap, we have it all for you. But that's not all. Do you also like to drink water or caffeinated beverages? Well, that's great because we have mugs and bottles to help you quench your thirst too. To buy any of this merch, go to podswag.com slash baseball. The link is in the description of the podcast. And don't leave yourself clothesless this post.
1: And welcome back to Baseball BarbaCast. I am Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. You already know that. We're Americans. You know, we have passports. Mm-hmm. We were born here. And so mm-hmm. we are qualified to talk about our league, the American <laughs> League. And let's begin with the Rays and the Rangers, mm. Tampa Bay and Texas. This will be at the Trop playoff baseball at the Trop inside. Y- you want to see the sun? You want to see the sky? Sorry, <laughs> sorry <Can't>. about it.
0: <laughs> Maybe they can build that fancy new Rays stadium in the next forty-eight hours, and then it could be like this grand reveal, wow. a big opening. That'd be sweet, right? That'd be great. Got him. <laughs> um. <laughs> Pitching matchups for Rays Rangers, first of all, we just joked about, oh, nationally, we just said, oh, is it going to be Marlins, D-backs? Like, the Rays <laughs> went into the weekend, they've known pretty much, I know, since since the Orioles come to the division, this is what we got, right? For most of the season, they've thought, yeah, this is what, this is what we're going to be, kind of like Minnesota too, right? But extreme degree, uh, or like the Phillies, I should say. Um They were between three different opponents as late as Friday. (laughs) Like four different opponents, I should say. Like they really had gone a lot of different directions and at the last minute, they end up drawing the Texas Rangers who will have to fly, have already flown from Seattle, Washington all the way down to Tampa, Florida. The pitching matchups in this one. To be determined for sure, but what we expect. We know 100% that the first two Games for the Tampa Bay Rays will be thrown by Tyler Glass now in game one, Zach Eflin in game two. We expect game three to be either Zach Latell, who's that, or Aaron Savalli, who they traded for uh, from Cleveland at the deadline. On Texas's side, we expect to see Jordan Montgomery in game one. He threw on Thursday against the Mariners. Nathan Diavaldi, who has not been very good since he got back. Also not very good on Friday, but Again, they don't really have anybody else, so he will probably go in game two. And then game three, maybe they go Andrew Heaney, who pitched very well on Saturday, has been all over the place, injured, bullpen starter, whatever. Uh, and then people are going to keep uh, tweeting clickbait about Max Scherzer trying to come back. So I'm sure we will have some of those reports this week where Max Scherzer is like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming. Uh, I, I heard that Jacob deGrom is going to try and throw
1: yep, and that Nolan lefty. Ryan
0: is is a maybe. Yes, Nolan Ryan is ready. C.J.
1: Wilson is getting hot.
0: And uh, Neftali Feliz is getting ready in the Aguilas bullpen during Lidome um, training. He will be ready to come in in case Jose Leclerc cannot get the job done. So those are our pitching matchups. Certainly would seem to favor Tampa Bay, as most pitching matchups do. Certainly in the bullpen, when you have a Rays pitching matchup that is just – the Rays have not been – No one's been better than them at crafting an incredible bullpen unit. Texas has been the total opposite, certainly this season. But let's begin with the first question, Jake. Are the Rangers cooked after how the regular season ended and the ridiculous travel that they played themselves into having to do? Maybe this is a little bit dramatic, but this is truly such a diversion from what they were about to have. As we mentioned on the last pod, they could have had five days off and... Chilled at home. Instead, they had to fly across the country and play again in 48 hours after getting shut out by Trent Thornton. So what do you think about the Texas vibes at this moment? Do you hear the sizzle, Jordan? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh. You hear the sizzle? Uh, Yeah, I think they're cooked. Um,
1: (laughs) I don't think the offense is cooked. I think the pitching is in a really bad place. Even though the while. bullpen looked pretty solid against the Mariners, all things considered, I think the combination of, <laughs> I, mean, I said, <laughs> uh, compared to what they have been for the last month, they looked fine against the Mariners. I guess, yeah. Yeah. But fine. Yeah. Uh, but I think playing so soon after their last game and those intense games, I cannot, and the flight, I expect them to be a little bit zonked. I don't think the offense will have the same issue just because of how deep it's been and how powerful this offense has been all season long. If the Rays pitching crushes the Rangers' offense, I don't think it'll be because they were tired and bummed out. Like Mm -hmm. I don't think that's how that works. I think it'll just be the Rays did a good job. However, for the pitching, I think there is just this level of frustration and exhaustion Mm -hmm. going on within Rangers' throw baseball land.
0: I agree with that. Um, I mean, this Texas lineup is still so right. ridiculous, and like we've seen that it's it's shown up at kind of strange and consistent times. But on the whole, it has been one of the best lineups in baseball the whole season. Uh, which in the first few months it was them in Tampa, right? And then of course Atlanta clearly became the obvious best lineup in baseball. But those three have been that's those have been the the, the run scoring machines. And this, this Texas lineup, it's not just the guys at the top. It's it's those guys in the middle. There was a moment during the Mariners series where uh, Jonah Heim came up and Goldie was like, he's closing in on 100 RBIs. I was like, I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> like Jonah Heim has how many RBIs? Like that's the kind of offensive season that they've been having. And I know he was an all-star and amazing in the second half. He also has not been hitting for for a lot of the second half. He's been a little bit better lately, but that's just – how many times they've turned the lineup over, how often those guys at the top of the lineup have been reaching base for Jonah Heim to drive them in. So it is still a, a very fearsome lineup. They can, they can hit the ball out of the park. And while I think Tyler now is awesome and Zach Eflin has had a remarkable first season in Tampa Bay, like they can score. At the same time, like if we're also thinking about what we just saw over the last week, the Tampa pitching, the Tampa lineup, I think, is, is a much more fearsome and consistent and – Problematic group to deal with uh, than Seattle, so that I think is is where they're going to really struggle. Maybe this is an unfair second question, but
1: do you remember the last time the Rays were in the playoffs? What happened last year?
0: In we're Cleveland? in or we're not in the playoffs? Because I, I'm I saying, thought, oh, oh, like what happened last year?
1: Yeah, do you remember what happened last year? Oh,
0: I know. It was it was a miserable experience. It was. I remember watching that game. <laughs> that that Cleveland Tampa game was was a, see, I mean, I guess it was a preview because then it was like usurped by the Mariners Astros one. But the Cleveland Tampa one, while you know, credit to the pitchers, it felt more like a display of offensive ineptitude than dominant pitching the way that the Seattle Houston one did, which made it all the more maddening. And I the will say that is Jordan. that has haunted me when I think about the Rays coming into this season. That
1: is what I'm saying. I mean, yes. look for those of you who don't remember, the Tampa Bay Rays scored one run in 24 innings of wild card round baseball
0: last year. That's a not good. <laughs> with that's a not good. With how many of the same players? Four. How many? So
1: yeah, Yandy, Randy, Harold Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Manny Margot, Christian Betancourt, Taylor Walls, mm-hmm. Jose is hurt. Wander uh, Franco will not be playing. Not sure if you heard about that. Not correct. correct. Uh, Isaac Price, if I didn't say his name. So it's it's like two-thirds of the team is similar. Now, mm-hmm. it's not identical. I would say the biggest difference is uh, one is Josh Lowe, who has yeah. taken a huge step forward this Big season one. at the plate. Mm-hmm. That has been incredibly encouraging. Yandi remains elite offensively, mm-hmm. which has been mm-hmm. huge for them. And then
0: I think Harold Ramirez is a much better player than he was a year ago. And then, you know, they have some younger guys that have come up, of course, with Franco out. Um, we've seen Oslavis Basabe and then most recently Junior Caminero, who we have talked a lot about. He had his first home run of his career over the weekend. And while his early numbers, you know, seven games are not amazing, but him and Curtis Mead have had, have had moments there where we're seeing a little bit more offensive uh, contributions. I think the biggest difference is very simple here. It's that they're playing at home. And the Rays have been, I think, the best team at home, if not besides Atlanta, the entire season. Uh, I'll check that here quickly. And I think that that just makes such a massive difference. Uh, the Rays record this year at home. 53 and 28 tied with, I guess the Dodgers for the best record at home. And I think that alone will make a, a huge difference for them. And I just think that it's, it's enough of a, of a lineup because the other thing is last year, we were a little worried about the lineup coming in to the postseason. That's even, and then they, it was as bad as it could have possibly been. Whereas this time around, I feel like they've proven a lot more. We have some new pieces that have shown us more depth. And again, facing the Texas staff, like, I think they're just going to be able to score runs. It's it's kind of that simple. And uh, I think that their bullpen has been so absurd in the last uh, couple months with some guys that you might not even know are this good. And I think that will be more than enough to, uh, to take care of business here. I think, honestly, I think this is more about how much I do believe in Tampa than it is how worried I am that Texas, the way that Texas finished.
1: So, Jordan, you just explained how Tampa wins, more or less. How do the Rangers win? How can the Rangers beat the odds and get the job done? And I am actually going to pick the I'm going to pick the Rays in three. Okay, <laughs> but in doing so, I think I will maybe explain how the Rangers
0: do this. I believe in Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, I mean he's been spectacular. Talk about guys that have made a lot of money in the last few months. Wow. In his last, uh, he was in his last four starts. He has allowed a total
1: of two runs. He's gone seven innings in three of those four starts. He is very good. And he is certainly not someone who is going to pee their pants in the spot. I feel very confident in him. And I do think that the Rangers will win game one. The way that they steal one of the other two games is Corey Seager. Okay. Corey Seager is the best player on the field in this Mm -hmm. series. He is amazing. He has had one of the greatest offensive seasons of the last decade overshadowed by him missing too many games to rack up raw offensive totals. It is a remarkable thing. We have seen him do this in the postseason many times before. So do I envision a world where Corey Seager just takes this over? Yes, I do. And I think that is how the
0: Rangers can win. Corey Seager had played 119 games. In the regular season, and had 75 extra base hits, which ranked tied for sixth in baseball, uh, and more than his teammate Marcus Semien, who I believe played all 162 games. So <laughs> think about think about that. Like that that level of production. I know. Like I that's the thing is I think that the the you know raw totals are still there somehow just by playing 119 games. So I agree with you. Like I'm not going to completely discount this rangers offense because it's that good and, and they can single-handedly win a game even if it's you know 10 to 9 um i just i just like tampa at home so i'm sticking with tampa in two but uh but hey rangers rangers rake they have impressed me and as as disappointing and uh, just really kind of just especially with what they did this year like rough that last month was in that last few days i still think that that um They're a really good team. So this is more about my belief in Tampa, I would say. So Tampa in two for me. Uh, Any final thoughts on this one before we move to Toronto versus Minnesota? Absolutely not. All right. Moving on to our final matchup. Minnesota hosting the Toronto Blue Jays. Our pitching matchups, these seem about as certain as we can get because the Blue Jays were able to clinch on Saturday thanks to the Mariners losing. Shouts out. They did not have to throw Kevin Gossman on Sunday, which means he is ready to roll on Tuesday. The Blue Jays will line up their pitchers, likely Gossman, Chris Bassett, Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios facing his former team, of course. The Twins, we know for sure, will be Pablo Lopez in game one, Sonny Gray in game two, and likely Joe Ryan in game three. The Twins also, both of these teams have... A lot of starting pitching depth, right? The Jays also have Ryu and Kikuchi. The Twins also have Kenta Maeda and Bailey Ober, who have pitched very well recently. But these would be the matchups I would expect, certainly for the first two games. Game three, we always, we we sometimes see teams get a little wonky with that. The other thing to mention here, this is another kind of macro point I think to point out about all of these series. And about the nature of the three game series, you see some interesting roster decisions involving the pitching staff, right? If you do not think that you are going to need a starting pitcher, you know, even in a piggyback role or a bulk role, like you're going to leave him off a guy that's obviously going to be on the DS roster. You're going to leave him off in favor of another hard throwing reliever or another bench player. So we'll have those decisions tomorrow. There's going to be some interesting roster decisions that we are not accounting for, some injuries that we don't know about. We'll, you know, we're doing our best with the information we have on Monday morning. So, anyway, those are the twins pitching matchups. And the first uh, question I have, Jake, how healthy are these twins hitters whose names people have heard of? I'm talking about Carlos Correa. I'm talking about Royce Lewis. I'm talking, of course, about Byron Buxton and Joey Gallo. Who I and Joey is Gallo, although head. he hasn't played in months, so yeah. I don't know what the status of him is. I'm not expecting to see. Joey Gallo, but those other three are very interesting. I watched Carlos Correa leave the game uh, in Cincinnati, Royce Lewis leaving the game the next day in Cincinnati. This was about two and a half weeks ago. Lewis with a hamstring strain, Correa re-aggravating a foot and heel issue that he's had pretty, he's basically been playing through the entire season. And it seems like both of them are intending to play this week. Although, Clearly, they will be somewhat compromised. Byron Buxton, who has not played in well over a month, is also reportedly trying to come back, although it doesn't seem like he's going to be ready to play the outfield, which he hasn't done all season anyway. Michael A. Taylor has been fantastic for the Twins in center field, so there's no way that they're going to put Buxton out there. But if Lewis can't play the infield because of his injury, who's going to DH? Whatever that's the question. This twins lineup has actually been pretty good. A lot of these younger hitters have stepped up in a big way. Guys like Matt Wallner, guys like Kirillov, uh, Edward Julian, Lewis, Lewis and is Lewis nuts. has been amazing. Yeah. But, but you know, Lewis has been out the last couple of weeks. Lewis has, has certainly been their best hitter. Uh, but this is a, this is a big question is what are we getting from those guys? Um, I, do they need them? I, I probably, the fact that they clearly are working to come back, but that we haven't seen them in a while is interesting. You know, it's not a situation like Felix Bautista where I'm necessarily going to be terrified watching them that they're going to re-aggravate something and be out for even longer, but that's also possible, right? We we don't really know with these situations. So despite Carlos Correa's you know, disappointing showing this year, I'd still rather have Carlos Correa in the lineup than not. And so that is a a part that, especially at this time of year, right? And so if there's going to be anybody that even if he's, you know, at 70% is going to hit a giant postseason home run, it's probably him. And so I would like to see him in the lineup. So how healthy are those guys? Is just a massive question. Do we see Carlos Correa tap his wrist this month? (laughs) Is it time? Uh, we're, we, we are about to find out. I just want to see him out there at the very least with all due respect to Kyle Farmer. <laughs> so that is my, my big Great, question. Chris, like tabby
1: just, it is time to go on the IL. <laughs> uh, we will let's, find out. let's pivot to the Jays who have a similar yet different issue. The 2023 Toronto blue Jays have a lot of very famous, well-known baseball players. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Matt Chapman, George Springer, Kevin Kiermeyer, Brandon Belt. These are players whose names we know. Whit Merrifield, Cavin Biggio is a last name we know. How good are the famous Jays? They have all played a little bit below their abilities this season, particularly Vladdy and Matt Chapman. Bichette has been good,
0: not elite. How good are the famous Jays, Jordan? So that's I mean I cannot figure that one out at all. I think I've we referred to them at some point over the last month as like the American League Padres. Obviously not nearly as much of a disaster but in the sense where you're yeah. looking at the names and you're not understanding how it's not one of the best lineups in baseball, it's the same feeling. Underwhelming your way to 89 wins
1: is both very disappointing and very impressive. Yeah. Because the Jays are talented enough and there's enough infrastructure here that they didn't completely crumble. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they never played their best baseball. Mm -hmm. This team still has another gear, another level in the bag. And that reminds me kind of of last year's Phillies team, Mm -hmm. where they never really got rolling during the regular season, snuck into the playoffs as the last seed, and then they were like, Okay, we're good. Like, here we go. I don't know if the Jays have that same type of run in them, but it does remind me a little bit of famous players underwhelming for six months before catching
0: fire. Sure. Yeah, no. And I I think that why I'm so excited about this, I think this is the most even matchup. And while you look on paper, it's like, oh, well, the Jays have just as good pitching. And they have. I think they led baseball in ERA, or at least did for much of the season for the entire pitching staff, not just the starting rotation. Like it is a very deep group. And that's with Alec Manoa completely disappearing, right? Like that is that is an impressive achievement as well. And I think that when you compare those two, like, but also here's the other thing, and I just wrote about this. You can read a whole feature on the Twins pitching at Fox today. The Twins pitching is legit. And the reason why the Twins have a real shot here is not just because they're home field, not just because some of those younger hitters have stepped up and that maybe they are getting their best players back from injury. It's because their pitching staff has also been one of the best in baseball this season, not just at the top, but also the depth, a bullpen that has gotten healthier and is throwing harder than ever. I really like that group a lot. This is a twins pitching staff that led baseball in strikeout rate this year. The Minnesota twins of Minnesota leading baseball and strikeout rate. This franchise was allergic to pursuing strikeouts. For basically 15 years, they are like, oh, oh sorry, let's just try to get a ground ball. Let's just do that for 15 years and see how it works out. Um, And instead, now they have the personnel to pursue punch outs, and it has worked to a marvelous degree. I think Pablo Lopez's breakout has gone totally, just totally underrated. I'm excited for that to really get highlighted on the broadcast tomorrow. He's been fantastic. Sonny Gray has gotten much more attention. He's been great. Uh, incredibly good at, at keeping the ball in the ballpark, and then Joe Ryan and and Bailey Ober and Kent Maeda, like that is not, especially when you compare to some of these other teams who are really going to be you know scratching their heads and and holding on for dear life when we get into those third, fourth, fifth, and fifth starters, I think they're in in, in good shape there. So. But hey, That's how- this is still an organization saddled with, with an 18-game uh, postseason losing streak. They have not won a playoff series since they eliminated the Moneyball A's in 2002, which is a long time ago. And so that energy is going to still be in the ballpark, unfortunately. And so while I trust the roster here, uh, that, is, that is what I'm worried about at the very least. But... I don't know, man. I think they get it done. I think they finally win a series. I am bummed that it is Toronto because I think the points you made about them, I, I totally agree. I, I really think that Toronto could turn it on in a big way and make a real push. But I I just think that Minnesota is going to find a way to to get this done, not just win a game. I think they'll win it in three. But this is easily the, the toughest one to pick. Uh, there's a There's a weird sentence. Easily the toughest one to pick. I think this is close to a coin flip. This is the one I'm least confident in. I will go with Minnesota in three.
1: I will go with Toronto in three. I think the offensive issues for Minnesota are real. I know they've been better this month, but with the injuries to those key players playing at less than 100%, as much as I love Edward Julian, he is not enough to carry a lineup.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to bank with the famous dudes on the Jays showing up for at least yeah. a series. Yep. So we will, uh, we will see there. But this is this is going to be really, really close. I am, I am most excited about that one. And before we take a quick break, uh, just on that note, uh, I put a Twitter poll out last night about which wildcard series people are most excited about. Uh, have you looked at the results of these uh, yet? Because I found no. it uh, sort of interesting. So over five thousand votes, you can still go. This is a great example of just like why I like to have a lot of Twitter followers. Is I like to just poll baseball fans. This yeah. is a, always an interesting thing, and so. Easy, easy question here. Uh, I ask people, if you're not a fan of any of these teams, what series are you most looking forward to? What would you guess, uh, if you haven't pulled it up yet, Jake, that, that people uh, voted for? I think people are excited to see the Marlins and the Phillies. So Marlins-Phillies finished second, and you could still vote for another day with 28%. Rangers raise at 39%, which wow. is, is kind of surprising to me. And uh, both the Blue Jays, Twins, d Brewers down at 16%. So I was a little bit surprised by that. That could just be... A bunch of Astros fans, uh, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I could imagine that's just a bunch of Astros fans being like, yeah, who, 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 what we got here? Um, but, or what, you know, rooting for the, the Rangers' downfall. So we will see. Either way, I thought that was interesting. You can go vote in that poll if you disagree. Nigel Morgan, go vote for the Brewers D back series. You know you want to. Jake Mintz, we are going to take one more break. And when we return, we are going to talk about who we are most excited to see potentially get a ring, make our posts and predictions, and say goodbye.
1: Welcome back to Baseball Barbicast. Jordan, in the last calendar year, you and I have both won a ring. You were married. Well said, purchase, this- uh, even, but. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Major League Baseball players cannot just go out and buy a World Series ring. I guess they can, but it doesn't have that same type of mm-hmm. energy. And every October, we take a look at the players who are involved in the postseason and we think about who would be the coolest mm-hmm. to see win a ring of all the vets who don't have one. What would make us the happiest?
0: Mm-hmm. Now, obviously the answer is oh, all the Baltimore Orioles, cause you're an Orioles fan and I am now an Orioles fan for the month <laughs> of October. So that, that goes without saying, right? This is not about, Oh yeah, I want to see that team win. And then honestly, I think this is a more interesting conversation. The individuals who we want to imagine celebrating, lifting the trophy because those individual stories undeniably mean more, right? The pass that these guys take mean more than when they hand the trophy to the owner, right? That's a thing we will see at the end of the month. Not as excited about that. It's about the individuals. So let's talk about those individuals who we want to see come out on top. The easiest way to do this is to basically pull up the active leaders in games played and see who is playing in the postseason and hasn't won a ring. And if you're doing it just by that and you're looking at position players, there are two very obvious answers, and they are playing in the same series. It is Carlos Santana for the Milwaukee Brewers. It is Evan Longoria for the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, who I really have not given much thought to this year. I know he has not had the biggest impact on these teams. Um, But those are your answers because they are 6th and 7th on the active games played list behind only Miggy, who is now not active, Elvis Andrews, Joey Votto, maybe now not active, Nelson Cruz, maybe not active, Andrew McCutcheon, right? So these guys have played nearly 2,000 Major League Baseball games in the regular season and have not won a World Series. We know Evan Longoria has played in a World Series before but these two definitely stand out. Carlos Santana in particular, of course, now has the Mariners connection. Just a delightful clubhouse guy. And also, as we mentioned earlier, an important hitter for the Milwaukee Brewers. So while that is maybe wishful thinking, one of these guys is going to be eliminated this week. But those two guys stand out a lot. And Carlos Santana got so close with yeah. the
1: 2016 yep. uh, He got even closer than the Magoria. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's just something to think about. Mm-hmm. The, then there's, you know, for me... Bryce Harper is Mm -hmm. a boring but correct answer because when we look back on Bryce Harper's career, we want him to have a ring. Mm -hmm. The baseball world should want that. And whether or not you are a Phillies fan or you hate the Phillies, it makes sense to have Bryce Harper be a champion. Mm -hmm. That fits a nice, tidy narrative. Now, life Mm -hmm. doesn't always fall that way. Baseball doesn't always fall that way. But in terms of things to root for, the idea of Bryce Harper lifting up a trophy is very cool and would make a lot of people in our very specific age demographic who grew up watching this guy, I think, very happy. Mm -hmm. In that same vein, I think, is Christian Jelic, who has been one of the best players in baseball before and has never won a ring. He has never played in a World Series. He's obviously not anywhere near Bryce Harper in terms of fame and importance to the this era of baseball, but I do think that Yelich winning in Milwaukee would be very, very cool.
0: Now, in terms of pitchers, uh, Jake Mintz, there's not as many obvious ones. If you you know sort by innings pitched uh, in the big leagues, a lot of these guys have already won World Series, of course, but there's still there's still some that that have been around for for a long time that certainly have not you know raised the trophy yet. Weirdly, the one I think that was like the leader in terms of in the postseason and career innings that hasn't won a World Series is Kyle Gibson, which is kind of an interesting one. People um, but,
1: love but, that guy.
0: But people love Kyle Gibson. So that's a good one. Sonny Gray also comes to mind as one who's been around a long time and everybody really appreciates. One that is also kind of weirdly... is. Not exactly came close, but has been around for a long time. Martin Perez uh, with Texas is also one that certainly comes to mind. Are there any others uh, that kind of jump uh, to the top in terms of veterans?
1: Uh, if you look at, like, who's never won a ring, I'm I'm also interested in, in relievers.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Relievers who have never hoisted the trophy.
0: Ch- um Jake Diekman has uh, been pitched in over 650 games, and he kind of revived his career with Tampa Bay. He's been on a ton of teams. That's one that's certainly interesting. Brad Hand. Brad Hand. (laughs) Brad Hand is one who's pitched in nearly 600 games. He's been in in postseasons before, and he's he's come pretty close. So that's, again, not necessarily like a fan favorite, but certainly one that when you think about has pitched a lot and has not won a World Series. He certainly stands out. Got to get him his ring. Kirby Yates. Oh, wow. That's an interesting one. I, I, Kirby that's, Yates
1: is another one. on he, the Atlanta He's
0: older than has pitched for a long time though. Right? Like that's one that's a little bit more about that. Uh, but yeah. that's, that's, that's a good one. There's definitely some relievers that have, that have been around for a long time. And then, you know, there's also ones that are a little bit more mainstream that like, am I excited for the Braves to win another world series? No. Am I excited for the Astros to win another world series? No. But Ronald Acuna winning and like playing, which he didn't get to do in twenty one, would be amazing. And then the one Astro I would undeniably be thrilled for is Jose Abreu. And even though he's been doo-doo for most of the season, like that's a dude that has been an extremely important baseball player on this planet for the last 10, 15 years. And to see him win a World Series would be very cool too.
1: And I think the one other one that I'll bring up is Clayton Kershaw, who, yes, has a ring from
0: 2020. Mm -hmm. But he wants another one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that there's some, some Dodger stuff. That's that's true. I know that's uh, we're probably underrating how important that is for, for a lot yeah. of Dodgers people. So that's it, Jordan. Do
1: you that's have anything it. else? Do you want to do our
0: brackets? Uh yeah, let's do it. Uh let's do it quickly. Uh I don't uh, I don't really want to do how many games, so let's just run through this quickly. I guess we already gave our picks just to review for the wild card round. Um I went with the Phillies in three I went with the Brewers in three the Rays in two and the Twins in three Uh, what do you have for the wild card round Jake
1: I don't remember but I'm just gonna pick it again I'll take Tampa (laughs) I'll take Toronto Mm -hmm. I'll take uh, I'll take Arizona okay and I'll take Philly
0: all right and now we move to the National League. Let's keep going with the National League. Br- Arizona and the Dodgers. <laughs> what you got there? I'll take the Dodgers. <laughs> okay. And the Braves and the Phillies. Go ahead. Don't do this to me. <laughs> I do it to you. You've been talking about this series for two months.
1: I'm not doing anything to you. What are you talking about? <laughs> I will take the Braves.
0: <laughs> okay. But I think I, that
1: the Phillies. Yeah. You Ready? I think the Phillies are the second best team right now. Wow. Like if I had to rank all the teams, mm-hmm. I would put them second, mm-hmm. but I think the Braves I I think I have to lean Braves.
0: Okay. I'm going to take we're just going to do National League side first. I'll take the Dodgers and I will take the Phillies. <gasps> and then I'm taking the Dodgers to return to the World Series somehow, some way. That is my National League pick. Okay. Uh, I'll take
1: Atlanta.
0: American League. Okay, so you have Atlanta back in the World Series. To the American League. Twins, Astros, or Blue Jays, Astros. You go. And then we both have Texas. We're sorry. We both have Tampa against Baltimore. All right, I'm going to go Astros again. I'm going to go Orioles against over Tampa Bay. And then I will take Houston. To return to the World Series once again, because as I've said many times, I will keep picking them forever.
1: I Mm -hmm. am an idiot. (laughs) I have always been an idiot. One of the markers of idiocy is making the same mistake again and again. Something I have done. I don't know where my house keys are right now. So I'm going to pick the Toronto Blue Jays to beat the Houston Astros. And I'm excited. Two weeks from now, when the Astros sweep the Blue Jays, and Jordan could be like, "What the fuck did you think was going to happen?" But I'll do that. Uh,
0: so I'll do the Blue Jays, and then Orioles, Rays, Astros. You mean? Oh, sorry, Blue Jays. Yeah. yeah, Blue Jays, Blue Jays. Okay, and then Orioles, Rays. I mean, you're listen. You, you, I. <laughs> uh, we're not going to blame you for picking an either direction here. So, I'll Tough. take. I will take
1: the birds because they'll only have to see Glass now once, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that's and I, and they did bomb should. him the last time they faced off. Mm-hmm. I will. They played a heck of a series against one another, but I'll take the birds. So birds, Jays. Birds, birds. Two <laughs> birds, birds.
0: Birds to the go to the World Series. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The Jays, who have not been in a World Series in 30 years, uh the Orioles a little bit longer than that. Uh what you got? I'll take the Jays. Let's, screw right. it, dude. Jay. Right, no, it's the- fine. That's fine. I like it. Okay, so you have Jays, Braves. I have Astros, Dodgers. You know what, Jake? I'll pick the Dodgers. I don't know how they're gonna do it. Wow. I don't know what the hell's going on in Los Angeles. I don't understand that roster at all. I will pick against the Astros because it feels good. Feels good. <laughs> it feel good. I just did it. Um I'll take I'll take uh, the Braves to All beat right. whoms ever
1: rolls in from Blue the Jays. other side. All right. I am a little Braves worried about the Blue Jays, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little worried about the Braves. I can't believe I just said the Blue Jays were going to go to the World Series. <laughs> this is the problem. And this is like I know I said we should do a bracket and we should do our predictions. I hate doing predictions because do the correct answer, the correct answer is Astros Braves in the World uh-huh. Series. Like Braves and Astros. Mm-hmm. If you don't pick that, genuinely, you're Trying to be fun or spunky, <laughs> yeah, which, which is which literally might what as I, well do
0: which is literally what I just did because right. it is just it's it's not interesting. I it's agree. not interesting. That's why for once I am taking advantage of picking the Dodgers being interesting. <laughs> that's this is the only time where it's like, really? The Dodgers? And, and that's so, why that's we w- that's like why to think, We like to think about
1: October kind of in those two ways where how does a team win? How would it happen? Because we don't know what the shit is gonna happen, right? Yeah. But how what what would it look like? And then the other thing is who are we pulling for? And I guess that's a good place to end. Mm -hmm. Jordan Schusterman rooting rankings.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously we're objective journalists, so we don't favor any teams, but that's nonsense. So we would never do that. uh, We're humans. So and we are baseball fans. Like that's the whole reason we do any of this. So who are we most excited to root for? We don't have to rank them one through twelve. I am curious who your top two or three are besides the Orioles. So obviously I'm rooting for the Orioles. And I will say, obviously the Marlins are my next team. It's not even close. And I think after them, it's probably Minnesota, but it could go in a lot of different directions. I, that, that, that third team is a, is a pretty, pretty tight race between a bunch of, of, of teams. So as someone who was born the day Cal
1: Ripken tied Lou Gehrig, uh, (laughs) I I will put the Orioles at number one. And
0: I'm right there with you. Obviously, you know, go birds. So
1: yesterday in the Phillies locker room, Bryson Stott said to me, so quickly, every time, I don't know if I've told you this. Every time I walk into the Phillies locker room, Bryson Stott comes up to me and goes, hey man, the Orioles are are down 95. Like they're not here. Like, (laughs) hey, the Orioles aren't playing here today, man. I don't know what you're doing here. And so it comes great to Great bit, me Bryson. Great bit. Um, and yesterday he comes up to me and goes, so you're covering us, right? Can't have you on the Orioles because then you'd be biased. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, not no. I guess. Okay. Uh, not no. So I'll go Orioles one. <laughs> I think just the experience of getting to spend another October in Philadelphia uh-huh. is very alluring to me. I had a great time last year and yeah. that would be fun again. So
0: I think I'm going to put them two. That said, like you're in a it's a pretty pretty win-win because I assume the Marlins aren't far behind. And like this isn't a situation where like if the Marlins somehow win, it's like like that is gonna know. be such an amazing so, story if they do. Yes. But I understand your your Philly bias.
1: Yeah, and then there's the selfishness of like, okay, so my job for this postseason is to cover the National League. Mm-hmm. What are the teams I have the best feel for? And who are the players on those teams I have the best relationships with? Which is like the most boring answer, but mm-hmm. like that is a component of it. And the answer to that is the Braves and the Phillies, and so mm-hmm. they're certainly higher than on my list than they maybe would be for some other people. Astros mm-hmm. at the bottom, just because we've seen this before. Duh. Yeah. No desire to go to Houston again. Like, <laughs> sorry, Astros fans. Like, and it's not even the. It has really very little to do with the can banging stuff. I'm no. kind of over that. And past or even that.
0: the current players on the team. Or the even the current
1: players on the team. It's just this fan base has been fortunate and blessed, and nothing against them to witness World Series. They've seen this. They have experienced it. They've lived it. And I would like uh, a little bit of redistribution of joy. And so for me, that is Miami, right? That is uh, the teams that have never won the World Series. It is Milwaukee. Yeah, I think Milwaukee is really high for me. That's Minnesota. Well, they have won before. I know it's been a while. So the teams, just to say, the teams that have never won a World Series, that is Tampa, Texas, uh, and Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Are the three clubs that have never won a world series so they are kind in of sneaky bunch. high yeah. in this bunch they're a little sneaky high uh for me but yeah the o's are one and the astros are last and everyone else is just <laughs> kind of a jumble in the middle i'll go o's Phillies, brewers is my top mm. three
0: okay there you go all right well now you know uh this has been a delight i hope you all enjoy uh i will here's a good question and uh, first of all thank you for listening thank you jake for Hosting this podcast with me. Thank you, Chris Tyler, for producing. You can email us at baseballbarbecast at gmail.com. Jake, there's no baseball on tonight. What? What do we... Uh, what's the, There might not be baseball on... There's a chance there's no baseball on, on Thursday or Friday, which mm-hmm. would really suck. But that is part of it. Any uh, big plans for tonight with no baseball? No. All right. There you go. Just think, Just thinking about the baseball that starts tomorrow afternoon. So thank you all for listening. You can, again, mention, email us, baseballbarbacast at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-Cast. Make sure you rate and review us. So many podcasts coming this week. We will be back on Wednesday, 100% Wednesday morning, to talk about the Game 1 results and then we will return when the rest of the series conclude and then preview the DS. So all kinds of fun stuff coming this week. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your other podcast listening friends to check us out. We would really appreciate the support. Uh, but until Wednesday, enjoy the game ones. Enjoy your night off from baseball. And we will talk to you very soon. Series XM Podcasts.